You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now your hosts, Daniel Sanangelo and Trey Harris. Boys, look. A family of badgers, just as I promised you, actual nature. El Badgerus Maximus Ferocius with young. The young look just like the regular badgers, only smaller. Now, here's a lesson to be learned. Although they look cute and cuddly, don't ever, ever do this to a family of badgers. And part of that first aid is listening to 80s Revisited. Nothing helps get over a badger attack better than listening to the sound of my voice. And also the voice of not just me, Trey Harris, but also Daniel Santangelo. That's my name. (laughs) (laughs) Also our producer, Jesse Sedgley. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, everybody, yes, as mentioned at the end of last episode, 50th episode extravaganza, we're talking about Ernest Goes to Camp. Real quick, when we were listening to that episode, or listening to what the little scene we just had, we were watching the video of it, and when he starts getting hit by the batteries, he started running left and right. Mm-hmm. I had my headphones, headphones on. on backwards. Was <laughs> I was like, every time he'd run there, my left <laughs> headphone. I was like, what the hell's going on? Surround sound. <laughs> anyway, it's the the aught thirteens <laughs> headphones do that. But uh, yeah, everybody, Ernest goes to camp. A true classic, in my opinion. One of the greatest movies of my childhood. The first film appearance of one of the greatest characters in film history on this pedestal of my childhood next to Han Solo Mad Mardigan Superman Inigo Montoya on, somewhere on that pedestal probably next to Weird Al there would be Ernest P. Worrell mm. a great man gone far too soon unfortunately and by the way Ron, if you haven't seen this movie the entire movie is on YouTube in fact we're watching it right now <laughs> uh and it was actually released May 22nd, 1987. I do not believe I saw this in the theater, unfortunately, for myself. I hate that I can say that, but I really don't think I did. But on home video, it was an instant cult classic in my house, as well, many of you listening, I'm sure. IMDb. Fuck the IMDb. 5.0? No way. No way. Rotten Tomatoes, 62%. That's a little better, but Jesus Christ. Add another 20% to that, and we're in the ballpark, at least. Budget, $3 million estimated. Opening, 6.1. Opening weekend doubled its budget, thus signaling to the world the star power of Jim Varney as Ernest P. Worrell. Mm. Uh, domestic gross ended up being 23.5. Couldn't find any info in the world, so let's just round it up at $25 million and go from there. Uh, and again, a $3 million budget, and it makes $23.5 million. That's, And you wonder why there are... Uh, let's see. Oh, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, I was going to talk about the sequels. But uh, directed by John Cherry, who could have been on this podcast, but of course we use a little 
we use adult language, and that's not something that is honestly that's not something they do in the artist movies as well. So that's true. I understand that. So no problem there, no hard feelings. But still, we appreciate the fact that we were given a shot, and maybe on a cleaner version of the podcast, a different podcast, <laughs> we can look into that. Uh, but of course, he also directed. In addition, Ernest goes to camp. He directed as, and also Jim Varney starred in. <clears throat> Ernest Saves Christmas, Ernest Goes to Jail, Ernest Scares Stupid, Ernest Rides Again, Slam Dunk Ernest, Ernest Goes to Africa, and Ernest in the Army. And there was a go-to-school one that's not on here that I didn't type on here, but Ernest Goes to School. That was on there, too, but I didn't Mm. type it for some reason. Uh, The last really good one was probably Ernest Goes to School. Uh, I must admit, I've never seen Ernest in the Army, although I really want to. I just never got around to it, but I'm sure I will, because, like I said, I love Ernest P. Worrell to death. Uh, was also written by John Cherry and also Coke Sams, who pretty much their resumes also include every other Ernest movie, which I just named. It will not mention again, in total at least, but starring the immortal, truly immortal in my opinion, Jim Varney as Ernest P. Worrell. Of course, uh, aside from the, the numerous Ernest movies, he was also in the Beverly Hillbillies as Jed. A lot of people might remember him from that. But most of you youngins will also recognize him as the original and truly only voice of Slinky Dog in Toy mm-hmm. Story. Mm. Uh, in fact, uh, of course, he w- he had passed by the time three came along. But his uh, camera, the guy that did him, in, that Farmer did the voice Fran from the Water Boy. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> he was he was actually really good friends with Jim Varney in real mm-hmm. life, and it kind of like, did it was kind of like a homage, like, yeah. like a respect thing, yeah. Uh, which very well very well done on their part. But yeah. uh, also starring John Vernon as Sherman Crater. He was also in Dirty Harry, and of course, I would assume one of Jesse's favorite movies, Animal House. You would assume that, huh? Well, just because you kind of you are the reincarnated oh, geez, body. Come of, on, that's all it takes now. <laughs> if you look like him, you automatically like every movie they've done. Yeah. <laughs> I just assume that, like I said, but assumptions it's can right. make an ass out of you and sometimes me. Yeah, it's okay. Or something. It's the good. saying goes something like that. Yeah, never was a big Animal House fan. I mean, it's funny, but it's it's not like yeah, it has moments. It doesn't. You know, I'd rather go watch Ferris Bueller. Or, you know, no, as far as uh, Belushi like, goes, uh, Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers. Yeah, yeah that's no wrong. That would. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. That one's rewatchable. Oh, definitely. And re-listenable with the soundtrack. And, yeah. yeah and too. when Carrie Fisher was still beautiful. I'm just amazed how many cars they destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> I saw like, I saw the Jesus, sequel one time. Then they tried to do something similar in the sequel. Like they, they tried to do it every by level. One. The, sequel the sequel was terrible. Yeah. What was it? Blues Brothers 2000? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw that in the theater. And that was... Ouch. It was so disappointing. In fact, we skipped school to go see it. Well, I wouldn't I'd rather be learning. I wouldn't college. Huh? No, it wasn't made in two thousand. It was. A, well, oh, check it okay, out. okay. I think that was just the okay. name of it. Ninety eight. Ninety eight. Okay, yeah. so yeah, you did. Yeah, because I remember because that was the year of uh, Star Wars Episode Four being re released, special edition. Bad year for movies. <laughs> in, a, in a way, depends <laughs> <laughs> on how you're feeling. Nah, I guess. Okay, Saving Private Ryan, Big Lebowski. American History X is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, meet Jay Black with Fear and Loathing. Truman Show. Truman Show. Armageddon. <laughs> I talked about eight? that before. This it's is 98 Revisited. Most popular. Oh, okay. 98 uh, Revisited. Oh, yeah. D- yeah. Of course, if there was Armageddon, there was Deep Impact. Yeah. Oh, Fallen. Never watched one, one of the best Line. Denzel movies. Oh, and Dark City. One of the- Oh, Pi. Afronowski. Jackie Chan. Waterboy, Water which we just mentioned. <laughs> and The Wedding Singer. Wow, both came out in 98. Yep. Interesting. So it was oh Godzilla eh. mm. oh and there you go your Oscar winner Shakespeare in Love for Best Picture oh White Wild Things came out hell yeah <laughs> best year ever nah just kidding uh, but also starring 
Victoria Rasimo, I assume that's how you pronounce her last name because she's not here to dispute it. Uh, she was Nurse St. Cloud. Uh, she also, she just kind of did bit television parts. Pretty much she was stereotyped or pigeonholed, however you want to put it, as a Native American since she is Native American. Uh, so she, of course, appeared on such things as Dr. Quinn. And naturally, if you're an, uh, a Native American woman, you would also appear on Doogie Howser, MD. Uh, Jacob Vargas was Bubba. Uh, he was, he's the, uh, the Mexican one. Uh, excuse me, the uh, Latino one. Uh, he was also recently in Devil, which I don't know if y'all seen that. Uh, but uh, Devil was actually, I thought it was really good. I don't know if y'all seen it. Uh, the Shyamalan produced one, not directed. But uh, gotcha. uh, I actually really liked it. Did have a twist. Didn't see it coming. I mean, it's kind of like a mystery as to basically all these people in an elevator. You know the premise, the premise in the trailer. One of them's the devil. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. they get killed off one by one. So, like, you know, a lot of uh, misdirection and everything. So it's... It's fun trying to, you know, the first time you watch it, trying to figure out who it is. You, you think you can find it for me? Yeah. Okay. Sure. You'd probably like it. Uh, he's also recently in Traffic and The Hills Have Eyes 2. Uh, and then uh, he was Bubba. And then Scott Menville, I uh, assume, uh, no wait, Melville, I was thinking of Moby Dick, but it's not, yeah. never mind. Take it back, it was dumb. He was Crutchfield. Now I'm going to come back to him because I want to, oh no, I'll go ahead. We'll go do this now. I've been hearing he, about do this. this. I've heard there, about this earlier. He is, aside from, next to Jim Varney, he's the best person in this movie. Uh, not for what he did in this movie, what he went on to do. But Scott Menville is an extremely popular or uh, frequent voice actor on things. Uh, he was tied in the 80s. He was also in Rainbow Bright, Johnny Quest, Flintstone Kids. He was Joey on the New Kids on the Block animated show. But it, uh, in reality, he was also in The Wonder Years, Full House, Rugrats. Recently, he's Robin on Teen Titans. But most importantly, Scott Menville was the voice of Mati on Captain Planet. <laughs> <laughs> Round two. <laughs> Fight. <laughs> I would totally like play a Captain Planet from the Planeteers M-rated NetherRealm Studios produced fighting game. See he really would win, and he is like he's still popping stuff out. I mean, he's done a ton of stuff, and most of it lately is like it's all voice acting. So, good job, Scott. He's like, no, no, (laughs) no. Recently, he was Crankshaw on Ninja Turtles, the uh, the redo or the update one. Crankshaw must be some villain or something. I mean, I watched that. I don't remember Crankshaw. I don't remember. That must be at least a new villain because it definitely isn't an old one that I can remember. Crankshaw. I keep thinking of Rat King when I hear that name, but he's not I mean, Rat King. that many episodes? Um, Maybe he's just an ancillary character? Yeah, I just can't think of who that would be. Crankshaw. I, mean, I don't even know that sound. Oh, wait a second. I think I know who it is. All that's, I've seen is the intro to that show. Never seen an episode. You never saw the Turtles? The new Turtles? Oh, it's, it's pretty good. It just, I watched the intro. I was like, okay, this is cool. And then I immediately was like, I really need, should go try to download some of the original episodes. And the nostalgia factor kicked in, and I didn't finish an episode. Mm. But Scott Menville, you are awesome. You are if there if the voice actors of the Planeteers got into a fight, and oh. you had the power of heart, I'm pretty sure you'd say. I mean, or if you chimed in on our discussion about who would win, I think you might agree with our conclusion that Monty probably would kick the ass of everybody involved. Oh yeah, check so. back on two different episodes for that. <laughs> we won't go into that here because it was handled perfectly the first time. Right, first time. He's also Red X. Oh, an animated version. In the DC Universe version. Yeah, not in the uh, Sad Seal and Sigily Sigily Films version. (laughs) That was a different actor. But also, the legendary... I mean, how many people are legendary, honestly, from starring in a commercial? Very few people. One of them would definitely Iron Eyes Cody. 
Yes, he started. I know he, he started. In, he was a. I hate to use the term token Indian, in a lot of older movies. But I mean that's pretty much what he was. Uh, but uh, of course he was actually known for you know the crying Indian in the litter commercial, which was brilliantly parodied at the end of the credits of Wayne's World Two. Yep. I don't even know uh, what you're talking about. Well, it shows him like in a canoe going around. Then he comes to like a park and there's trash everywhere and he's just staring at it and then he turns to the camera and a single tear rolls down his cheek. Very famous commercial. Oh. Uh, Nick at Night, uh, back in the day where like Nick at Night played like shows from the 60s and 50s, uh, they would show that commercial sometimes. They would show older commercials and that's the first time I ever saw it. And I was like, hey, it's it's uh, Chief St. Cloud from Ernest Goes to Camp. But Iron me, Eyes Cody. Let me blow your mind. Iron Eyes Cody is not Native American. He's Italian. Pure-blooded Italian. Yeah. So, bam. Ernest Goes to Camp was his last movie. That was... that was. Damn wow. it, Jesse, I have three pieces of trivia for oh, this you film, do? and that's one of them. You still go. <laughs> yeah, but it was... Uh, he died in 99, but this was released in uh, 87, so it was the last movie he did. And he died of natural causes, uh, such as we all wish... Oh, and actually, look, his nickname, The Crying Indian. That's how famous he was. But his his real Italian name, Espera de, Conti, de Corti. Yep. Sounds like somebody out of Assassin's Creed. Like, he could easily <laughs> have been, you know, the person you played as. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I want to say, like, he was... Uh, it came it kind of, like, came It kind of got busted on it, but said, like, he respected the culture or something, or was challenged. Yeah. Oh, right here in New Orleans. <laughs> He was, in fact, a newspaper, oh, right here in New Orleans, or not here, but right next door to us in New Orleans, was challenged in 1996 by a New Orleans uh, newspaper, which reported he was, in fact, of Italian ancestry, which, of course, he denied, but is true. Early version of the internet, like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> WTF, what the, oh, it's all, Twits is all ablaze about it. All right. <laughs> or something, I just, I don't know if they even call Twitter Twits, but that's what they should Tweets. Damn. Tweets, yeah. I would, that would. Childhood hunting movie. accident? Oh, his daughter died in a childhood hunting accident. That's terrible. Yeah. Probably make you Oh, he's buried acting. next to his wife. Mm-hmm. Wow. He, his wife died 21 years before him. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Wow. But I'll be so lucky. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that runs, I was about to say, you know, usually married couples die <laughs> close together. And you totally shot that to hell. <laughs> but that was worth it. <laughs> But yeah, uh, no. I think like our last last week, Superman two. You had seen this a long time ago. Oh, you still reading about this crying Indian? No, the the Bertie Parker, the guy who's married to with three children, her death in nineteen seventy eight. Is he buried next to her? Yeah, not this. Not but he's been married again, and he got divorced after a year. That was just a good time. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly what that was. (laughs) Yeah, it was one year, so it was probably you know. Oh yeah, I'm not. uh, Maybe she. Maybe I wonder what. Birdie Parker thinks of that. Uh, yeah, it's probably uh, just a little. Fling. She doesn't think much. She but again, I mean, she maggots. died in '78. This is '92. I mean, he waited over tw- uh, nearly 20 years. Well, more like 15, I guess I should say, mm-hmm. closer to 15 before he moved on. So I mean, I think that's an acceptable mourning period. I mean, Autumn already talked. Like you know, if one of us die, you know, we'll pro- well, we already we'll probably never get married again. We kind of touch on some of the way we're talking about some other stuff. But like you know, there'll never be, you know, there'll never be another like your first marriage. I guess. That's what they mean, you know, when they say you never get your first, you, know, you never get your first marriage. That's what that saying's about, right? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, that's what I thought. Exactly right. But uh, you've seen this once before, a long time ago. Is that correct, Daniel? Or you yeah, know, We were talking you... about that, and then you started quoting, or you started saying the movies he was in. You said Ernest Goes to Jail, and I think it was that one. Okay, so you, you think you never seen this one until just the other day. I'd, you remember how I was like, I don't remember any parts of it I said yeah. it in the car? 
If I did see it, I don't remember any parts of it. Until you watch it. Okay, so basically you haven't seen it. Let's let's go with mm-hmm. that. Because I think Ghost of Jail was probably one of the more popular ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like the... As you know, as Ernest got more popular, so to speak, that one and Scared Stupid, and then it kind of declined uh, as far as, you know, uh, uh, sales and everything go, blah, blah, blah. But uh, having seen this for the first time, and it's now summertime, certain kids have, people have kids at camp right now. What do you think's going on? You know, I mean... What do you um, think about this movie? Does this sum up your camp experience? You know, I mean, I, what I'm, you expect from a camp? Yeah, I've never, never been went to camp uh, to a camp as well. Um, the thing about this is, I'm 29 years old, mm-hmm. watching a movie for the first time that's you know, really meant for kids. <laughs> I like the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I can't like. There's movies I I didn't really care for Monster Squad. Yeah, yeah it's meant for kids. I just did. He makes this yeah. movie. He's to me, he, even Crutchfield's. I know what he's. What now that I know yeah. what he's done, he holds a little place in this. But yeah. this movie would be hard. This movie would be nothing without him. Yeah, it's. I mean, and the, the thing, and it sounds kind of stupid, that I really like about this movie is the fact that he seems like he's a really good dude. Yeah, or he was a really good dude mm-hmm. in real life. I don't know. He seems like he's. Yeah. he was a nice guy. I've always heard that. Uh, I mean, imagine like. Imagine if you were the child actor, like acting in this, how much fun mm-hmm. you would have with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the kids were good. Uh, uh, <laughs> I just watching the movie. We're talking. Crutchfield is the one I do remember the most yeah. out of out of the the, the bad kids. And um, what was the little little black kid's name? I don't remember. His I name. liked him too. I didn't but, write every kid's name down, yeah. but I mean, there's a lot of stupid stuff Let's about see. it, but and a little stuff for kids. But I just enjoyed him. I like mm-hmm. to watch yeah, him. Yeah, watch. I mean, mm-hmm. they smart. They wisely named the movie Ernest Goes to I, Camp and kept the focus I didn't expect to like this movie. Really? I actually kind of went into it. I was like, okay, I got to watch this movie. But I enjoyed it. Awesome. I thought it was good. Awesome. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> Jim Varney smiling down at, like, you know, yeah. if that kid from Angels of the Outfield was in here, he'd see, like, Christopher Lloyd in the doorway <laughs> and, like, Jim Varney would be, like, dressed as Ernest, like, well, say, he'd say some. Yeah, if this done. came on TV, I'd, I'd watch it. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree 110%. The first time I okay, ever saw this Okay, you just ahead. mentioned the Angel in the Outfield thing. Did you look at the where the, did you look at the monitor? Did, have you looked at this monitor? No. Oh. In the bottom right, there's a full version of YouTube, <laughs> Angels you in the Outfield. This actual bar is in the way. I couldn't even see that. The movie. But, uh, well, if you haven't seen Angels <laughs> in the Outfield, it's also on I've YouTube. You should it, do yeah. a double feature of Ernest Goes to Camp and Angels That's in the Outfield. Awesome. <laughs> that's one of those movies that kind of makes me like smile like big at mm. the end when you got an angel with you now mm. my second favorite Danny Glover movie after Lethal Weapon mm-hmm. uh, yeah but I agree completely with everything you said about this movie ever since I was a kid like and before honestly I knew about Ernest before the movie because he was in commercials all over the yeah. south that was like the in fact I, he I knew was about created. him as well yeah. Yeah. he was the character was you know it was in, I, I, I'm not comparing Ernest to this example I'm about to give because Ernest is in a whole different freaking sport than what I'm about to say, but similar to Flow on a, not Geico, Progressive. Progressive. You know, to where the, there's a, or, or, no, I got a better example. Mayhem from the Allstate commercials. Yeah. You know, he's got a, you know, he's an actor. He's a, he does other stuff, but I mean, like, he's kind of that yeah. character in the commercials. You know, those he, are actually funny. He kind of reminds me of is uh, Barney Fife oh. a little bit. Yeah. You know, typically a good dude just gets in the wrong <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Pretty much a redneck Barney Fife. Yeah. Or I guess a more so redneck Barney fight. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, uh, of course he started out in commercials, at, but as the character of Ernest, and it was always, the commercials were always done 
excuse me, to where, like he would address the camera like, "Hey Vern, you heard about this?" Blah 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 blah. He would break the fourth wall. Yeah, like, which was also yeah. you know, and that became because John Cherry and they they came up with the idea for this character to pitch this. They were a, an advertising agency, I believe, and uh, he kind of walked into an audition for like basically the the role of Ernest, and then they were like, "He like he is Ernest," like he got it immediately, uh, rightfully so, and everything. And then uh, for a while, I, I don't know if it was before or after Ghost of the Camp, but he had a TV, a TV show that would come on Saturday mornings, like really early, where he'd do a lot of his like multiple personality type characters talking, which they came, those came much, uh, they came like, uh, especially in Scared Stupid, where he kind of showed like his stuff, and he, uh, and Ernest goes to jail where he tries to sneak out, he dresses like his mother, or his aunt or whatever, where he's an old woman with the neck brace on, he's got the big boobs, and tries to sneak out in that. But then in Scared Stupid, he kind of, div- uh, Shows like all these different ancestors of his, where he's like acting like you know very. I mean, he's so versatile as an actor too. Like, uh, which you can especially see in Scared Stupid. Uh, but I mean, he is the heart and soul of this film, pretty much by himself. Like, yeah. and it's the song in this movie makes me <laughs> flipping cry every time I watch this movie. I mean, it's so, and especially because he's gone now, unfortunately. Like, I, you know, it's really uh, same thing when Christopher Reeve died. Like, that was a that was an icon of my childhood. You know, gone. Uh, same thing with Jim Varney. I, like when I, he was one of those actors to when, when I heard that he died, I was like, oh, I like it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to take a moment like Jesus, like God. So I was, so, I was personally sad that Ernest was gone. Uh, unfortunately, he, uh, y'all, y'all don't know, he died of lung cancer. He was a extremely heavy smoker, mm-hmm. uh, pretty or most of his life, which uh, unfortunately that is what did him in. But uh, uh, the story, uh, one of the stories is that when he learned that he had cancer, he threw him away. He pretty much quit cold turkey, but unfortunately the damage was done, uh, and he did pass away. Oh, thank you. Water. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, like you said, I agree with everything about this movie. Uh, it's just so. I laugh every time I watch it. I mean, even though I know what he's about to say or what's about to happen, when the flipping when the freaking turtles talk in the end, I'm scared, Sarge. <laughs> like that's that still cracks me up. I mean, there's so much. That just cracks me up on this movie. But however, I do have some observations that I made watching it mm-hmm. as an adult that do put some things in a different Could be light. A lot of observations. <laughs> there are several. So let me let me run over these real quick. Go over these, I guess I should say. Okay. Now, all due respect to Mr. Cherry and Mr. Varney, I like this movie, but it almost seems there's some racist undertones to this movie. Oh, only in a modern, only in a, and I say this tongue in cheek because, like I said, I love this movie to death. I would defend it to my death. <laughs> but have you noticed each of the kids is sort of like a stereotype of a, of a minority? You have like you know a couple of white kids are punks. You have the Mexican guy who's like, yeah, I got the knife, and they kind of they kind of act very stereotypical. The black kids, uh, well, I mean, he really wasn't. I guess, I guess I'm kind of shooting holes in my own theory again, but he wasn't very. <laughs> uh, you know, stereotypical, but then the uh, the dude that wears the cutoff shirts and the bright neon colors, you know, he's growing up, you know, liking that sausage. Uh, but so each each kid is like a different Italian. minority. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, no, we're Italian. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Not that means what he's means. <laughs> but uh, yeah. But I mean, there is a lot of prepubescent midriff in this movie. In fact, like there are points where where two to three two to three of the kids in the group are all wearing. Basically something that, you know, Lisa from Weird Science wears when she comes out of the, the shower, basically. Mm. And uh, they stick the kids in the, uh, they stick the, uh, you know, the second chancers, they stick them in the Voorhees cabin that's been ransacked with what looks like blood stains on the floor <laughs> and, one, and when they're panning over. Uh, 
And I'll, I'll say one thing: when when, they, when uh, the lawyer goes to like say I'm like they won't sell, or, or where they're given the they're doing the exposition where like most of the whatever ore we're after, the unobtainium or whatever from avatars, it's right here <laughs> under Camp Kikiki. And he immediately takes his little trowel and destroys that model. That was a pretty intense model. I mean, it took it had to take somebody a, a, a day or two to make that thing, and just he doesn't like do it because the boss is there. He's just like, oh yeah, it's right here under Camp Kikiki. <laughs> Like a kid destroying a sandcastle. Doc, Doc Brown made that model. <laughs> <laughs> Please excuse the crudeness of my model. Yeah, but this model was not crude. It was actually really well done. Like you know, his weren't like either. <laughs> That's what I'm well, saying. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, the other stuff, like the car, was the batteries, and then right. they had little poles or whatever. But it was still good. Uh, I think, and especially in a modern day era, that the uh, the subtext of the cooks using terrible ingredients, uh, it really kind of struck me today with the whole uh, Monsanto and the FDA thing that's been going around. So this movie is definitely relevant to today. How you know there's things that should be put in food being fed to you know it was a metaphor they, that they did that you know bad things are put into your food and you, you know you, you eat it anyway. So I thought that was extremely relevant to our time. Uh, I think that. Uh, Hit Ernest Cart that travels for the movie and then is unfor- is very sadly sacrificed at the end. But thank God he comes back right before the credits roll. Uh, I think that is actually the beginning of Skynet because <laughs> he was sentient and showed up to help them. <laughs> and then after they left him to die, after they blew up the uh, bulldozer or whatever you want to call it, you know they didn't come save him. He kind of that's when he rejects humanity and then decides that sentient machines should destroy all all. <laughs> Uh, human life and I will say this the two antagonist campers they got some balls picking on the you know the kids from jail I mean these kids threaten them multiple times with switchblades and you know threatening threatening their life with bats and fists and everything and they still like relentlessly pick on them and burn their teepee speaking of which I think if you burn a teepee that can be classified as a hate crime mm-hmm. and, and plus you have an African American a Latino a future homosexual, and a you know regular white, a rich white kid, a wasp, you know who built said teepee. So you pretty much just offended every group of people you could ever uh, do. One of the simple fact, actually, one of the white the kids has to, well. has to be Jewish. One of the other white kids has to be Jewish for my argument. So you pretty much by burning that teepee, you pretty much are racist against every race out there. Mm-hmm. So those mm-hmm. and you know it wasn't it was no big deal. It's also no big deal that they nearly killed the, uh, you know, the the kids killed the, uh, or uh, hurt the uh, the big buff uh, counselor. My name's Stennis, Counselor Stennis. And then he gets knocked off the the dock and oh my leg, my leg. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> uh, and I noticed this. I mentioned this when we were watching the intro too, uh, especially during the song. But uh, Ernest has some naughty pictures hanging in his cabin. Now they don't show anything, yeah. but they're like those right by his bed. They're the same ones that you know when we were young that our parents would let us get away with having on the wall. You know they were they stopped just at the right point to where they're you know it's not pornography. You know she's wearing the swimsuit, but you can still see the nipple kind of thing. <laughs> uh, and I must say I think my Ernest is probably MacGyver's maybe third cousin, third second cousin because <laughs> he is a redneck genius. Everything. It's the redneck version of him. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. And I must say, no relation. also, what they don't mention, this movie has also has a tie-in to Ninja Turtles, because I want to say that 
the turtles, the, the talking turtles that are bravely parachuted in to fight the gigantic miners to them. I mean, they're talking. I want to say that's probably, you know, Raphael Leonardo's grandfather. You know, they tell them stories like, yeah, we served at the Camp Kik- at Camp Kikiki in 86 or 87. It's a hard time. One of my friends time. didn't come back. I'm like, tell me more, Paul. But yeah. But everyone knows that was mutation. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-mutation from the cook's cooking, I guess. Right. Uh, and then... Uh, <laughs> um. I think the kids can also add eco-terrorists to their rap sheets when they go back to the their uh, detention center after this camp, after they wreck a legally allowed construction company and destroy their equipment and attack and assault the workers. And and watching this again modernly, I, I think there's a huge twist to this movie that nobody, maybe only one person might have ever gotten before I watched it this time and realized it. Uh, I think Ernest is an Indian ghost. Shalamalan Ding Dong saw this and was like, wow, I should make this a serious movie and thus made the sixth sense. How else would you explain the bullets not hitting him? Yeah, they have that, and that's why they have that mystical Indian stuff in the beginning, because he actually is a ghost of Kim Kikiki. What? No. Mind blown. <laughs> so just think about that the next time you watch Ernest Goes to Camp. The pieces fit. Ernest is always in the background. He basically dies, he does things that no human could survive. Who's driving the bus? Ghost. Right. Well, see, I mean, it's, you know, ghost can, he's like a poltergeist. He can interact with things, <laughs> but he's he's still a ghost. How He knows the chief's language. It's a dead language. Only two people know it. A full-blooded Native American and the ghost of the other ancestors past in the form of Ernest P. Worrell. That's true. There's definitely some spiritual thing going on here. You got me. Thank you. That's my theory on it anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, uh. Email to dispute. <laughs> and or discuss. Or discuss. But uh just there was again there was uh for those late to the party, uh there wasn't really much trivia on this movie and I reached out to the Ernest page on Facebook, the official Ernest page on Facebook, and a public the publicist for the director actually emailed us back and they talked he has a book coming out which uh it's called Keeper of the Clown, where it talks about all of his interaction and working with Jim Varney, which I definitely would like to read. Uh it's available by ebook and hardcover if you order it from their website, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but definitely, uh, if, you're interested, if you're an Ernest fan like me, it's probably going to be something you're going to want to read. But uh, we did try to work with, with him to get on the show. There was interest shown on his side. But again, we are an explicit podcast, so uh, that wasn't able to come through, which, again, like I mentioned before, understand because Ernest's character is a family character yeah. and everything. So that's fine. But uh, in Ernest's cabin, of course, it's kind of crazy, crazily decorated, much like his home and Ernest goes to jail and... Uh, saves Christmas and all that because he's kind of like a Rube Goldberg with machines kind of like Doc Brown and uh, well Doc Brown <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a lot of the items that were in his cabin such as uh, an alligator puppet an actual picture of his mother which he plays himself uh, were all props that they carried over from the commercials that he did in the early 80s so that stuff if you uh, a lot of his early commercials are on YouTube so you can kind of even check those out uh, as well to kind of see the origins so to speak of the Ernest character and would either of you care to guess what the P stands for in Ernest P. Worrell? What is his middle initial? They never say middle it in name. any of the movies, but he does have a middle initial. Uh, Paul. No. Perfect. <laughs> that is true, Jesse, <laughs> metaphorically. But the P stands for Power Tools. Ernest Power Tools Worrell. Wow. <laughs> but also, you know, in the boxing ring, as he says in the movie, he was also known as Ernest the Hammer Worrell. A name which I took for myself in volleyball as Trey the Hammer Harris, <laughs> out of respect to Ernest P. Worrell. 
Right. And like Jesse mentioned, uh, this was the last film of Iron Eyes Cody, who passed away about 11, what did I say, 11 years later, roughly? 12 mm-hmm. years later, something like that. Yeah, but uh, like I said, uh, this has always been one of my favorite movies. This is one I'll enjoy. I enjoy it every time I watch it, even though I've seen it you know, over 10, 15 times. It's one I'll enjoy watching my kids watch. Uh, it's kind of one of those I watch at least once a year around this time, usually, naturally. Kind of like, you know, you have your Halloween movies, you have your Christmas movies, you have your May the 4th movies, and all that fun stuff. But, yeah. Uh, any final thoughts or anything on uh, Ernest Goes to Camp, Daniel? No, like, like I'm glad that I liked it, because <laughs> yeah. I didn't think I was. It was. Well, you're in for a treat, because come Christmas, Uh-oh. when Santa and Christmas is in peril, only one man can save us all. <laughs> Ernest P. Worrell, when Ernest Saves Christmas. That'll be one of our Christmas movies this year. Oh, if, oh if I score? Oh, well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, if I gave it a score, I'd probably give it a 7.7, 7, something like that. Hmm. A little lower than what I'd guess from your attitude about it, but... I mean, I like fun. Superman more, but yeah. I did like this. I didn't expect to. That's that's the biggest part of it. Yeah. Uh, for me, I just, uh, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to be a little more realistic with my scores because my scores are getting pretty crowded at the top. Because <laughs> we, cause we, I mean, pretty much every movie we do is one that I really like for the most part, except one or two. But uh, solid 8.5. Uh, it is, this one, of course, there's tons of our movies that we talk about. This one, this is the one I watch the most, but I probably like or... I would say probably goes to jail is probably funnier overall, mm. but this one is just the this was kind of the, the original so to speak the first one, yeah. uh, and of course seeing it in such a young age, uh, always you know that affects you know nostalgia is a big factor of course in how I view things. But uh, th- this is is this one that you you know when as Allie gets older and she's like Dad I want to go to camp well let me show you what it's like at camp. And instead will, of Friday the Thirteenth, I will let her one. watch this yeah, but she's never going to go to camp yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, I went to camp, but never one like you know, not an '80s camp like you know where you go and you stay for weeks away from your parents right, in a right. cabin in the woods. You went to like a school camp. Yeah, like those, like a Brett camp here. Right. Uh, that's like the big uh, place here. Like you know, it's a day. They drop mom drops you off at seven, picks you up at four or whatever time, and they take you swimming to the movies or you play frisbee golf or whatever. In fact, I have a camp story. Uh, the first time I went Gather to camp, around the fireplace, kids. <laughs> Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, uh, but the first uh, might have been the first camp I went to, but it was a Breck one. And like the first day, this kid just kept like screwing with me the whole day. In fact, he and I remember this verbatim. He said he was going to kill me and bury me in the sand over there. He just, loved you just for no reason. <laughs> but then, like I don't, I don't know, I don't know. If he was just, I don't know, I don't know why this kid was doing this to. Like you know, he didn't like, you know, wasn't physical. Like he wasn't trying to beat me up or anything. He just I like said that to a kid when I went to camp. Wait a second. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Let me see pictures of you when you were a kid. <laughs> nah. But but uh anyway, like that was like the first day or two and then like he just started hanging around and became my friend. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why, you know, he threatens to kill me. And then we become friends like I don't remember the guy now. I mean, again, that this was like, yeah. you know, eight, nine, ten, I don't even know, somewhere like early age. Maybe he just had a dark sense of humor. I guess and like here's a joke. I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I'm gonna bury you <laughs> right here. Get it? After I kill you. <laughs> it's so funny. You'll get that one going home. <laughs> and I remember too, like you know, like when you're when you're young, like the the older women, as in like when you're eight, when you see that twelve year old hottie walk in the door, that is like a woman to you. you you're like, yeah. no, you're looking like I'm dumb. So I'm making sure before I continue that y'all thought that too when y'all were in school. But at one of these camps, there was this older girl, and again, I don't, I don't know the ages here, but I mean, she was older than me. 
Uh, but I like had you know it's biggest windy peppercorn type deal. Yeah, yeah. biggest crush what on her. Like that? God, this chick is so hot. The hot chick on the Sandlot. Yeah. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And uh, anyway, but like we the camp we went to would go swimming like two days out of the week of uh, the camp whatever. And like every time I brought my goggles, she's like, "Hey, can I borrow your goggles?" I'm like, "Oh yes, borrow my goggles." Well, I I brought them first of all to swim underwater and observe things under the water. Yeah. <laughs> Not again. I'm a kid, so it doesn't matter. It's it's, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. But then she borrowed my goggles, and I was just like, oh, man. I thought I was love. <laughs> she borrowed, it was like a, was, the goggles were like a wedding ring. Right, right. To me, you know, it was like, oh. And she accepted them. Yes, she asked for them. She asked for my goggles in marriage. <laughs> I don't remember her name now or anything, but those are the two. Divorced since then. <laughs> yeah. She got on a bus. I never saw her again. Guess she take your goggles? Back. No, Sorry. she didn't give them back. Oh, Story that's good. But, uh, yeah, those are the two camp stories I have, except the time that uh, I went to camp. This hockey mask guy just kept chasing me around the whole time, so I yeah. just left and said, "Fuck that." No, that was something else. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. <laughs> when either of y'all ever had camp or anything, anything similar to that when y'all were kids, or I didn't. I just vacation went backyard, Bible school, woods, that type of thing. Yeah, As I got older, that's what eventually was. I want to say the one of the camps I did was like a church thing or some other church thing. Not church we went to, but just one that just had a camp. So my, I think it was more like daycare. Like, mm. yeah, go do this. Yeah, here's some stuff to keep you busy. Yeah, something like that. No, I didn't do that either. I'm tired of you watching Star Return of the Jedi again. You know, get out of the house and go, we're going to make you go do something. But I had a blast. I mean, I have fond memories of it, like those two along with it stick out. But yeah, I mean, at least my camp experience was a good experience. I wish I wish Saved by the Bell would have done a camp experience, like something where they go to like a camp like this. That would have been a so classic Zach Morris episode. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. So I love this movie. I hope you do too. And we will revisit other classics of the genre of the Utternist on the podcast. But uh, in the real world, again, this released May 22nd, 1987. Uh, on the same day, some stuff happened that I didn't know about, so I just, since it happened on the same day, I figured I'd throw it out there. Uh, but there was the Hashimimpura Massacre in Meirut City in India. So my condolences if you were affected by that. <laughs> and the first ever Rugby World Cup kicked off with New Zealand playing Italy at Eden Park in Auckland. I assume that's Australia. Or maybe New Zealand. I don't know. They all end in land over there. Or a lot of towns have land in it or something. I don't know. I'm snowballing here. Help me out. <laughs> but, uh... I don't know. Yeah, so... Our next segment... <laughs> Sports Rewind. Nice. Um... Ernest again came out. Of, it was, um, what was the exact date? May 22nd. May 22nd, yeah. On May. 1987. Yeah, May 22nd, 1987, right before it turned three. Um, <laughs> on May 30th. Oh, yeah, we hear that in the mic. You like that water? I, I, I was like, I was drinking, like, I hear that in my headphones, or I am I just I hearing that in my down. <laughs> Yeah, no, I Let me help you out, thing. Daniel. That's a pet peeve of mine, actually. Hearing that? <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Smack- the microphone's right by like my throat. Like smacking and stuff, yeah. Yeah, I can't stand that. For drinking? I hate that when people slurp their drinks. Like coffee and stuff, yeah. Okay, anyway. on May, May 30th, I couldn't really find a good one on the 22nd, but on May 30th of that year, Mike Tyson KO'd Pinklin Thomas. Oh, what a name like that. Whatever that was. The same day. He deserved it. A dude by the name of Buster Douglas lost huh. to a guy named Tony Tucker. TT. Now, three years later, they had what was widely considered the biggest upset ever. Mm-hmm. It was 
42 to 1 odds on Tyson Sayers. I think if you decided to go in that, yeah, yeah. put a hundred dollars on it. Forty-two hundred dollars. Um, they were just, you know, they fought it the same day. <laughs> I turned right? his mic down. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> on February nineteen ninety, February eleventh. Do y'all actually know where that fight happened? New Orleans Superdome. Nope. I'm just guessing. Japan. Really? Yeah. Tokyo Dome in Tokyo, Japan, on February 11th, 1990, but three years later, after they had that fight on the 30th of each, uh, Buster Douglas KO'd Mike Tyson. So, this mm. is a quick one. I was just. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, did you see like, that fight? Do you remember nope. that fight? You remember I remember here? the controversy, like, you know, like, like the fallout from it and everything. Yeah. I mean, this kid Dynamite was one of the greatest boxers ever <laughs> coming up to that point. This is stupid. I just paused Ernest, and it looks like he's a Nazi. <laughs> he's <all right>. <laughs> <laughs> it does. You should take a screenshot and we can post it on the Facebook page. There you go. I'll do that. <laughs> so people will know what the hell I'm talking about. Anyway, that was... Sports Rewind. And I, We should almost make a page just of, like, you know, awkward pauses. You know, like, I mean, or, I'm sorry, like screenshots and movies. You know, where like like that, like where Ernest is. Really, there's others I'm sure you can find where like you know you pause it at the right moment and like somebody's given the wrong look or something, and it just looks completely awkward. Yeah, they're like. So send us your pictures of awkward screen pauses awkward from eighties 80s 80s moments. moments. Yeah. So yeah, but uh oh yeah, Back to the Future. As we come back to the future, real quick, as I like to do occasionally. Uh, of course, there was a podcast on the Awesome Podcast Network that dealt with hero clicks. Uh, and right, and I'm going to go back to the future and talk about that briefly and talk about uh, the biggest thing in HeroClix right now, which is fear itself. Which, uh, if right. you play HeroClix, you know what that is already, and you probably played your month ones, I imagine. Comic book fans might find it interesting. Exactly, as well, if you've read that story arc in Marvel Comics. Marvel. Marvel. Make mine Marvel. But, uh, yeah, there's uh, it's an event that's going on for six months in HeroClix where uh, you can only get the boosters by playing uh, at the events. Oh. You need to work on your throat muscles, bro. You gotta hear that. His mic is a lot lower than yours. <laughs> Maybe. You need to work on your throat muscles, eh? Yeah. <laughs> like you. Make your wife happy. <laughs> Let me show you how. <laughs> no, Daniel, like this. <laughs> you're killing me, Smalls. But, uh, yeah, if you're in here, clicks, I'm sure you're already into that. Uh, we've all, Me and Jess, and especially Jesse, has scattered out every venue within driving distance for us to go to get these boosters because you can only really? get them. Uh, you're coming with us to Metairie. Yeah. yeah. Before that... That sounded like a, bitch, you're coming. No. <laughs> <laughs> Before that, we were ready to go to Beaumont. Oh. For a, uh, for a particular wow. tournament. And I was like, before we do that, <laughs> let's make sure there's not something closer. Not something closer. That yeah. have to be a day trip for that one. Because I stumbled upon that one. We were ready to take it. I already planned the pets being taken care of and everything. Mm-hmm. But then I decided to do some late night scouting and found a closer one that we don't have to take the entire day to do. Wow, awesome! This is a Beaumont one similar to the one. Yeah, they're two doing boosters. the same roles, same roles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's a big That's deal. That's why we wanted to go to that one. Yeah, I mean it's worth. I mean that's worth it. Double the product, yeah. Exactly, but uh, of course, if we're boring you with this so-called geek talk to you, perhaps you should check out Hero Clicks and also the old episodes of Duo Attack because you can learn to play by listening to them. Chess with superheroes. Exactly, and it's so much fun. Yep. Good stuff. 
But check that out, everybody. And, of course, you can reach us at 80srevisited at gmail.com, on uh, Facebook at Awesome Podcast Network, on the Twitters at Awesome Podcasts. And don't forget, uh, I mentioned Duo Attack, which normally Daniel did, but I talked about Hero Clicks. Won't you, won't you talk about the other podcast? Geekly Dose? Yeah, that one. I That's the one. I'm not... Uh, I'm not really knowledgeable to talk about it. I know they probably have a new episode coming up. I would assume. Uh, yeah. They're going to be talking about E3 pretty soon. Yeah, by the time this episode's out, that one I would assume would probably be out. So even though E3's been past us for a while, it's just a. I still wait on Stephen to yeah. do it cause again. Yeah. They took a little break while Stephen moved to Seattle, uh, but they are able to. I believe they Skype it together. Yeah, they. So yeah. they're able. It, it turns I mean, out really well. It, it feels yeah. It works. I just missed that dose of Jesse on the show. Yeah, little, you get it here. Yeah. <laughs> All too often. But that about does it. Any final closing thoughts on one of the greatest movies ever made? You know what I mean? There you, know you go. I mean? Glad glad you said that. Uh, yeah, I guess that about sums it up. Thank you, Jim Varney, for creating such a amazing character and, and influencing my childhood so much. Uh, but next week, everybody, probably one of what? Oh, you don't know? Oh, Daniel I don't even know even what we're know. doing next week. Next week, uh, one of the most requested and most, my, pro- probably one of my, in my top ten of all time, this would be, not counting like sequ- like movies with sequels, like, if, oh, you almost did the, an amazing throw, but you missed, and you failed in front of all these people that are listening. Yeah. Or just me and Jesse. Right. Who knows? they can't see. <laughs> if you if you would have seen, had he caught it, you your jaw would have been a game. I don't even know what we're talking about. Anyway, what movie yeah, are you doing? Anyway, uh, <laughs> but in the pantheon of my movies, of like my truly like can I guess it? And, yeah, Blade probably, yeah. There you go. Bam! You got it. Thanks for stealing my thunder, asshole. But, <laughs> no, no, it's seriously one of my favorite movies of all time, and I, I've said that before. I know on this podcast many times, but this is Blade Runner is probably one, is one of those movies that when you watch it, especially when you're young and you want to be a filmmaker, and you're into film that affected me visually as well as you know everything about a movie uh i haven't decided what we're probably going to do is similar to superman 2 i'm going to try to get because uh, i have the blu-ray i know you don't have a blu-ray player so my dvd's been traded bitch in. what i got one from my birthday oh never mind i'm so- I-, I forgot <laughs> i forgot uh well in that case i will get you the blu-rays now uh, there's a lot of people out there that love this movie or are fervent about this movie and there is a lot to talk about for Blade Runner because there is like five versions of the movie wow. now uh, but what here, the ones I'm, I'm planning on we're going to do I'm going to let you watch the theatrical but I'm probably going to let you I'm gonna, the one I'm going to want you to watch first is going to be the regular director's cut because that one was released I want to say in the theatrical was released in the 80s of course and then I'm not sure when the director's cut. Maybe it was early 90s. But that's the one... The director's cut is... The original director's cut is, in my opinion, probably the best one. Uh, they did a sort of a director's cut, director's cut not too long ago. Like, just... They added... You know, ch- tweaked a few little things. Uh, some minor changes. But for this... The purposes of this podcast, we'll watch the theatrical and then uh, the original director's cut and compare and contrast and everything. So, uh, I know a lot of people that I talk to on Facebook... Uh, have like wanted to even be guests on the show when we did this one and stuff like that but fuck you guys it's mine <laughs> so just kidding my friends but yeah I hope y'all come back for that one that one, should, that one should be a good one unfortunately that one will probably be pretty deep I hate to use that term like that because we usually turn everything into a joke but uh heavy subject matter in Blade Runner 
So uh, be prepared for that. But we'll bring some. That's why Daniel and Jesse are here too. When I do get serious, <laughs> they bring me back to reality that everything's just a fucking joke. So. So when are you gonna have like a mystery month where it's a month long of movies you haven't seen before? Maybe we'll do that after Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta come up with a list. So August. Yeah, let's aim for that. Something let's see. Like that. Ain't, ain't nothing going on in August. So, yeah, we'll be doing that soon. Turn, I know. Actually, Daniel, you need to come up with a list of ones that you've seen a lot that I'm not familiar with. Well, I know we've done a couple already. Could be producer's choice. Oh, oh there you go. <laughs> yeah, either one. And just we'll come up with a list of ones that I've it's never actually seen. actually a lot. There's not very many movies. I've seen a lot that you haven't seen. Well, I mean, you know, I was shocked when you said that you watched Dirty Dancing. You know, it was almost your Star Wars of your childhood as opposed to mine. Because your mom watched it a lot, you yeah. know. And, like, my mom was like that with Gone with the Wind and Godfather and Sound of Music, which I almost know word for word. Even today, if I hear it on, I'm like, oh, I know what's about to happen. He's about to say this because I've, my mm. mother ruined me. No, Sound of Music's great. But, yeah, next week, everybody, Blade Runner. Should be interesting. Put on your thinking caps as we delve into the existential realm of replicants and what it means to be human. And until next time, I'm Trey Harris. Daniel San Angelo. Jesse Sedgley. Kawa, know what I mean? Bunga. Gee, I'm glad it's raining There's always something to be thankful for I'm awfully glad it's raining Cause no one sees your teardrops when it pours And no one knows the thunder is your heartbreak in disguise they think the rainy nights what put that sad look in your eyes sure i'm glad it's raining the gentle rhythm soothes the pain inside i'm glad the stars aren't shining a wounded warrior Needs a place to hide I thought I had found someone I could count on Till the end What they wanted Was a hero All I needed Was a friend Gee, I'm glad it's raining I hope morning sun won't come up soon as long as it keeps raining no one knows my heart broke right in two I thought I had found someone I could count on till the end what they wanted was a hero All I needed was a friend Sure, I'm glad it's raining I'm awfully glad it's raining
show and more at the awesome podcast network's facebook at facebook.com slash awesome podcast network and follow us on twitter at awesome podcasts